I invite you to open your Bible this morning to Exodus chapter 20 as we use again God's Word to unite our hearts together this morning for prayer, to, to gel us together, to bring us from all of our foreign endeavors. Now together we come and to gel our hearts and minds together around God Himself. Exodus chapter 20, we continue to pray through the commandments of our Lord. We'll begin reading in verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And thus says the Lord to his people. We're here for this time together, this portion of the service to seek the face of God together in prayer. And we do so this morning with great fear and trembling, not because it's a uh, it's a scary endeavor to pray to the Lord, but certainly God is one who is not just moved because we have gathered to pray. God is always more concerned with how we do what we do than what we do. Last Lord's Day, and we'll be looking at this a little bit later this morning in the the preaching of the word. We saw from John chapter two, that stunning and sobering statement from Jesus that even in his public ministry, many were believing in him. And yet Jesus says, yet I did not give myself to them. Why? Because he says, I know what's in their hearts. And their only interest in me is selfish. It's not about me. They're not seeking me. They're seeking me and following me on the basis of what I may or may not be able to do for them. Throughout the commandments, God has made it clear, I am holy. When you worship me, worship me. Don't bring your other idols, even yourself, before my face. Honor my name. That's what's most important, me. And as we continue this morning in this time of prayer together, the commandments serve us well because they remind us that God expects us to approach Him in the way that He has deemed, in the way that He says is the worthy way to approach Him. And these Ten Commandments are certainly representative of 
of what the Lord is looking from us this morning. This morning, the seventh of the commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, as you come and seek me together in prayer this morning, I'm looking for a heart that's pure, a heart that is genuine, not mixed and mingled with other idols, other lovers, but that is primarily focused upon me. One of the things we've said about these commandments every week is that all of them have their foundation in the moral character of God, in the attributes of God, what God himself in his word has said about himself. And so this morning we look together at thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, why? What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is I am a God who is faithful. I'm a God who never commits adultery. And don't bring your adulterous heart before a God who never does so. God is faithful. Well, what does that mean? He's dependable. He's unchanging. He's unflinching. Unflinching in his regard for his own glory, for his own name. He is to be counted on when it comes to his promises, when it comes to his warnings. When God speaks a word of warning, don't take it lightly. He's a God who's faithful to what he has said. He doesn't change with the season, with the passing of years, which is what we just sang about. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. And he's one who's entered into a covenant relationship with his people through the blood of Jesus Christ, which means that even when his people are unfaithful to him, he has, in his own faithfulness, promised to never leave or forsake his own people. Throughout Scripture, he's called a rock of refuge. He is pictured as steady, an anchor, an unchanging God in a changing world around us. Throughout church history, Christians have found great comfort and peace in seasons of distress through songs like we just sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness. When I've got nothing else to hold on to, when the world around me is constantly changing, when life circumstances are altering, when the, the ground feels like it's been pulled out from underneath me, the one thing I've got is you, God. You are faithful. A mighty fortress is our God is another song that speaks to the faithfulness of God. So what does a God like that expect from a people that he has given life and breath to and made in his own image? What, what would we anticipate a God like that would expect and demand from you and I who are made in his image? Exactly what the seventh commandment commands. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He expects us to manifest the same kind of faithfulness to him that he manifests to us. And not just to him. Remember, we're in that section of the commandments now that focuses upon our horizontal relationships. Not to the exclusion of our God-centered relationship, but just as God is God-centered in everything, out of the overflow of our love for God, our devotion to God, our worship to God, now in our daily relationships... Show your love for God in the way that you live in these relationships with your mother and father and certainly here when it comes to your marriage relationships. This commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, certainly fundamentally speaks to marriage. And what is that? You know, marriage goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God is the one who invented marriage. And sometimes when we read the Bible you can kind of get this picture, and stay with me for just a moment, that marriage precedes the church, right? Because we come upon marriage very, very early in the Bible. 
And the church we don't really come upon, at least the church as we know it, until we get to the New Testament. But that's not right. As we understand the whole gospel, as, as uh, John talked about in the book of Revelation, the full, the complete gospel, we understand that the church is eternal. The church was always on the mind of God, a people set apart by God for God, a people that he would reward his beloved son with for all eternity as a reward for his work of redemption for them. God knew his people from before the foundation of the world. He set them apart. For, the church was established. And marriage, we find out from the Apostle Paul, was invented to be a picture of the church. The institution of a, a husband is a picture of Christ and his love for the church. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved his church. From before the foundation of the world, Christ was in covenant with the Father to love this people that he set apart for his glory and that in the, the fullness of time he would go and give his life for those people. And the church is a picture of, or the bride is a picture of the church. Who is to what in the marriage relationship? Give her all to her husband. The church is to give her all to Christ. And so it's not marriage that came first and then church. It was the church. And marriage was invented to be a picture to help communicate to us what the relationship between Christ and his church and the church to Christ would be all about. And in the picture of what the gospel is all about, we're to be faithful. Because if we can't be faithful there, if we're not faithful there, we're not faithful to Christ. Christ is faithful to his bride, even when the bride is disloyal to him. And adultery here is covenant disloyalty to God, to your spouse. Certainly, this commandment speaks to marriage, but we have a very narrow understanding of what this command really entails. Certainly, it speaks to the marriage, but Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount expands that. He says in Matthew 5, you've said, or you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So now Jesus expands it to not only if you just have marital infidelity, but even just the thought. You've now betrayed God. You've turned away from him. But even we can go deeper than that. It's not just uh, our, our thought life about our spouse. When Jesus is constantly confronting the religious elite of his day, he's confronting idolatry. He's confront, confronting blasphemy in their heart against God. They've created a God that is no God. Think back to the book of Revelation. What is it that Christ, as he goes from church to church to church in Asia Minor, what's he exposing? Idolatry, blasphemy. God has told you who he is. Your job is to be faithful to him. God has told you what he expects from you. You're to be devoted to him fully. And as he was going from church to church to church, he was finding a lot of religious activity, but not pure devotion to God. God on his terms, who he declared himself to be. But they were worshiping a God of their own imagination, a God that they created, a God, this is who God is to me. And that is adultery, 
spiritual adultery. 